right. Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago, here till 4 o'clock. It's a Thursday morning. Or it will be, I should say. Um, after midnight, Dan Feinberg is going to join us, a Hollywood reporter, TV critic. And uh, we'll talk to him about a bunch of TV. We're going to talk about abandoned places that no longer exist. Uh, and um, some uh, crazy celebrity endorsements as well. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. Uh, my guest right now is Max Grinnell, who is the urbanologist. He's an urbanologist, and a geographer, historian, professor, and uh, raised in Seattle and Madison, Wisconsin. He was educated at the University of Chicago. He's an expert on urban design, planning, public art, and uh, the creative economy and the history of cities. Um, and we're going to talk about the history of Chicago, uh, Labor Day, and the labor movement. Um, Chicago and Illinois are uh, are a big part of the labor movement, and uh, Labor Day is uh, is Monday. So we thought we would talk about the history of labor and uh, labor movement in uh, the city and uh, the state as well. Max, hello. Nick. How are you? Thanks right. for having me back. Absolutely. Good to be here. All right. Good to talk to you. Uh, how did you become an urbanologist? Where did that give us the background? Well, it's it's an interesting story. I I was looking through one of these you know old old school you know you and I both remember these old school dictionaries and uh, it's actually at a branch of the Chicago Public Library. It's just probably almost twenty years ago. And I was slipping through, literally just looking through pages, looking at stuff I I had studied both in at the University of Chicago, and I was like, you know, how do I put those things together? And I literally came next to the word urbanology, urbanologist. And I was like, someone who studies and explores the urban condition. And I was like, well, that's me. As you said in the intro, public art, urban design, uh, community development. You know, cities are complicated, endlessly fascinating cities, uh, places, excuse me. And so I thought, boy, that's the perfect way to do it. And practical, practical background, too. Uh, someone had already literally squatted on urbanologist.com. <laughs> so uh. it had to be. The it had to be that I'm the, you know the only one the urbanologist right so so it all happened yeah 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 and, and as an urbanologist what exactly uh, uh, how does that work what do you do what do I do yeah sometimes people come to my talks and they say or they used to come to my talks um, where they're all on Zoom and they said what, right. what is exactly you do <laughs> um, I I've taught uh, urban studies um, both at uh, the University of Chicago. Um, uh, where I went to school, and in Boston, both at Boston University and Massachusetts College of Art. So I'm in the trenches teaching um, intro to cities, uh, cities and culture, um, and, and attempt to get uh, young adults and anyone else interested, both not just in a career and working around cities, but just kind of understand all the bits and pieces. You know, have students even, we'll even look at an old school classic like Richard Scarry's Busy, Busy Town and say, what does this tell us about how young people look at cities? So we, you know, how if you were to make your ideal block or sidewalk Richard Scarry style, what would you, what would you put on it? So it's kind of a gateway to, you know, I like to, you know, I like to convert the unconverted, right? You know, like who are those people like, hey, I'm walking around, say, you know, a Hegwish. I'm walking around a Pullman, which I know we'll talk about tonight. Like, what's who are the people there? You know, was it was it Mr. Rogers to tell us who are the people in your neighborhood? Yeah, that's it. You know, that's the kind of the that's the kind of the first principles of what I do. 
What cities have uh, have you found most fascinating? I mean, we're obviously going to talk about uh, Chicago tonight, but uh, what cities have you found the most fascinating to uh, to look back at? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm always, I, I'm, you know, all the, especially with all the stuff we're going through right now, it's pandemic and everything like that. I love big cities, um, Chicago, Seattle, where I was born. Um, I spent some time uh, in Morocco a number of years ago in Casablanca. But I also think the conversation in recent years has also turned to those medium-sized cities, you know. Uh, I remember when I moved to go to Chicago to go to school and being fascinated with Northwest Indiana, which listeners will know as the region, um, you know, even the kind of those mid-sized cities. And, boy, they're having a renaissance now, too. You know, your Hammonds, your Whitings. So I kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to describe them as unknown gems because, goodness, if you're in Northwest Indiana, people might refer to Hammonds, you've heard of Whiting. Yeah. But, you know, you think about these places that, um, I don't think that they're due for one reason or another. Um, Providence, Rhode Island, another one of those cities. I think it's kind of uh, people in Providence will tell you it's great, <laughs> but some people might, you know, be less familiar with these places. Um, and I think in smaller, medium-sized cities, you can kind of get to, you know, we know how this goes sometimes in Chicago. You can you kind of have a little more access, right? Maybe you know the city manager. You know, it's 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 easier to work your way around. I mean, there's still dealing with the personalities and how navigating all that. But you know, I think this is uh, one of those conversations, too. And certainly my students now, for a number of reasons, you know, price being part of it. Oh, L.A., San Francisco, even Denver now. These are places where they would have once flocked to. And now some of them looking for smaller, medium-sized cities. So, which I always say, boy, you got so many to pick from in the upper Midwest. Um, great place to start. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the the your website is theurbanologist dot com. Then that's me. Yeah. All right. There you go. Uh, yeah. Thanks. And if folks are interested, yeah, please take a look. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Labor Day is coming up, and uh, you know this state and this city has a rich history involving the labor movement and uh, and and labor. Um, what's the real history behind Labor Day? So the, the the history behind it is that, you know, it can be traced in no small part to events surrounding um, the Haymarket, what used to be called the Haymarket Riot, Haymarket Uprising. We now generally use more objective language to, re- to describe it as the Haymarket Affair. Um, and for listeners who may, may be less familiar with that, this is part of the struggle for um, an eight-hour day, which is something that had been talked about by the Knights of Labor, and they were kind of a I don't want to describe them as a single-issue group, but they were really focused on working an eight-hour day. Um, one thing I always tell my students, we're talking about work or labor in cities, is most people, again, broad generalization uh, in the American experience, you just worked more or less, not all the time, but pretty much as long as you could, 12, 14, 15-hour day. And for a lot of people, um, until kind of labor reforms of the late 19th and early 20th century, and then really ramping up, around as a response to the Great Depression, you know, maybe you had some time after church and your or your religious service on Sunday. That was kind of your your time for rest. So people really that was one of those things that they really wanted to try to work out or work with. Um is to just think about like how do we create an eight hour day. So you have in the spring of eighteen eighty six, um kind of a lead up to what would become known as the Haymarket uh affair. And they were you know, a lot of things being 
slung by both sides. There was conversations about, you know, German Marxism, anarchists, um, and part of this was a, a part of it was tied to a strike uh, at the McCormick Reaper plant, which of course uh, was in Chicago. Right. And things really started to kind of heat up um, and intensify on the night of May 4th, actually on Des Plaines Street. So, you know, uh, I guess we now call the West Loop. Um, and there's a crowd gathered. Um, and this was in uh, Mayor, eight, 1886. Yeah, 1886. Yeah. And uh, Mayor Carter Harrison was there. And he said, oh, they told police, don't disturb the meeting. Um, and, of course, you know, this kind of no one really knew what happened exactly at the time. But someone hurled a bomb at the police. One officer died right away. Police put pulled out their guns, firing all over the place. Um, when it was over, you had 60 officers injured and eight of them died. Um, and this obviously caused a lot of unrest because business leaders, lots of people in the city, were very anxious about this labor movement, right? They had been used to kind of having the upper hand. Uh, Mayor Harrison banned meetings. He banned processions. Police made picketing very difficult. Um, and so this is kind of start of this broad, this broad movement. Now, there had been strikes before, 1887, a National Railroad strike. But this was really that transformative moment, Nick, where really things started to happen, where people uh, people moved people moved very quickly. And after this time period, you know, the, they put some of the so-called anarchists on trial. Um, the next year, 1887, uh, four of those defendants were were hanged in Cook County Jail. One committed suicide. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people turned out for the funeral procession for these five dead men. Um, an intense period among many intense periods in Chicago's history. Yeah. Now, now um, hold on, hold on one second, okay? We're going to take a yeah. quick break, and we want to come back and talk more about yeah. this and the uh, and the aftermath of, of uh, the Haymarket affair. Yeah, uh, no problem. Yeah, Max Grinnell is with us. He's the urbanologist, and we're talking about the history of labor and the labor movement. Uh, and Labor Day in Chicago. It's an important city as uh, part of it, and Labor Day is coming up this Monday. Um, we got more coming up on uh, 720 WGN. All right. Hey, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio, 18 stories above uh, downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 a.m. Coming up on a Thursday morning, Dan Feinberg is going to join us after midnight to talk TV, as he does uh, every couple of weeks. Right now, we're talking with Max Grinnell. He's the urbanologist. You can check out theurbanologist.com. And uh, we're talking about the history of uh, Chicago, Labor Day, and the labor movement. Labor Day is coming up on Monday. And uh, this state and uh, this city, Chicago in particular, has a very rich history when it comes to the labor movement. And we're talking about that history right now with Max Grinnell. Uh, okay, Max, uh, continue. We were talking about uh, you know what was happening right after the, the Haymarket uh, riot took place. And uh, continue where, where you were. Yeah, so the you know after the the riot, um, there was you know a trial of some of these uh, so-called anarchists at the time, uh, and after this uh, you know tremendously contested trial, um, there were legal appeals, and eventually 
The next year, uh, in November of 1887, four of the defendants were hanged in the Cook County Jail. One committed suicide. Um, lots of people turned out for the funeral procession, which would be kind of a familiar thing among other trials uh, in the labor movement. Uh, a few years later, actually in 1892, Governor Altgeld, he granted the remaining defendants a pardon. And, of course, he was criticized by members of the business community as well, too. So you had a couple things that happened after that. There had been an interest in creating a Labor Day before then. And certainly what the uh, international workers of the world seized upon at the time was to create, celebrate May 1st as May Day as a kind of international workers' holiday encompassing all workers. Um, so that was kind of part, that's kind of part of that story. Um, you know, we also think about how do we celebrate uh, Labor Day more formally. And actually, interesting enough, the same year that the those defendants uh, were, were hanged in Cook County Jail, interesting enough, Oregon was actually the first state to make Labor Day an official uh, public holiday. So that was kind of, you know, part of that wrinkle. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a federal holiday since 1894. Um, so it, it definitely has this long history. So to say that Chicago has a key role in thinking about, you know, all these events to let up to it, um, I think is really crucial because certainly there was nothing without, <clears throat> excuse me, there was no precedent before um, these events of the Haymarket affair, um, you know, worldwide attention, hundreds of thousands of column inches in newspapers and dozens of languages, uh, both in Chicago, uh, the German press, uh, English speaking press, um, other languages and around the world. Um, and of course, as I was like, to, you know, tell, tell my students, you think about there's no radio, there's no TV. I mean, you know, those daily papers were how they, people found out about these right. things, and, you know, right. and pamphlets and uh, things of this nature. Um, so this is a really a seminal moment in thinking about, um, you know, what's kind of what's next for the laboring class, which, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, right? You think about everything from the stockyards to the steel mills um, to food processing throughout the city. I mean, all these little, all these kind of wrinkles uh, and different, and different strands in the labor movement, just like we have uh, today, whether it's uh, you know, SEIU or Teamsters or um, textile workers. Um, but really, a lot of this um, can be traced back to the to the Haymarket affair. And mm -hmm. if, if folks are probably familiar with, if you ever if you go to the exact site um, of where the incident took place, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you can find an amazing statue which kind of tells the story and actually. Uh, it was dedicated in 2003, 2004 uh, by Mayor Daly. Um, it was done by uh, Mary Brogger, who's a yep. Chicago artist. And yep. it's a, an amazing uh, sculpture. It's the speaker's wagon. I think it's, uh, I don't know, 12, 15 feet tall. Um, and, you know, finally, finally, I think workers getting their due <laughs> in 2004 um, of the people of this this affair um and it's really you know folks have the opportunity um it's a it's a wonderful sculpture it really is yeah it is it's uh it's beautiful it really it, it's uh, it is really beautiful i've seen it several times um and it's great and it just and it uh it really does uh you know capture what was you know what happened at that and it's it's really uh powerful to be there because that's exactly where it happened yeah you think of those kind of uh those moments um in history you know we're so lucky in the city to have the, both not just the public art, but the murals that kind of capture these 
different different moments. I always think too. There's a couple interesting ones that deal with the history of the social workers um, and also other kind of labor movements right there under the tracks on 57th Street and Hyde Park, the Metro tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, they've just kind of. Uh, redone or retouched up some of those murals as well too and i'm sure listeners can think of examples in their own communities um you know formal memorials sculptures uh even a plaque or two yeah uh you know in general we'll get back to uh to some historic labor day things uh in a, in a second here but you know in studying uh chicago um and you know and living here um what are some of your favorite things about this city historically and now you know, I think that a city, and I'll just, you know, I'll steal a line from Walt Whitman. You know, it, it can, it contain, it contains multitudes, and there's so many, there's so many wrinkles that I think that we're always learning more about. You know, there's been, you know, a resurgence of interest even in building materials. If you think of the type of Chicago brick, right? And of course, you know, you might go by, and if you're kind of initially less curious, you might say, "Oh my God, who cares about this brick?" Um, but it's also the history of technology. It's also the history of the materials behind it um, and the folks who made it. So like, that's kind of a little, just a small starting point. Um, I mean, I remember you know, even coming you know, kind of the, as one travels, as one does, whether it's via metro or car or plane, or I just got off a long train trip. Um, you know, you think about what you can see um, on foot and through other modes of travel just by going through um the, the city. I mean, one thing that I remember that was fascinating to me, a small thing, when I moved to Chicago, I had never seen in Seattle, you know, it was sort of more genteel. I'd never seen people double park before. And I thought to myself, <laughs> as, I was, as, I was, as I was going to get, let me see, I was going to get a Polish at Maury's Deli at 55th and Cornell in Hyde Park. Yeah. And I saw four cars double parked. Now, that's a little moment, Nick, but that's a different that's a different thing. Um, and you, I think of those kind of moments. And if you, you slow down and you take the time, and God, you know, some of us are fortunate to have a little bit more time during these times just to think about those, those type of things. I mean, even something especially we've seen during the pandemic is, you know, the role of just the, the, the difficulty of being able to move around a place. You know, you, if you go out to O'Hare on any day that, was before, like, you know, March 15th or March 20th, you know, you know, a place like O'Hare, essentially 30, 40,000 employees. Yeah. That's like a miniature city right there. I mean, it should, yeah, it really should maybe be its own community area. And everyone wants to talk about the 78. Maybe O'Hare should be the 78. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, and I think that's one of those things. And those things coming together, just kind of thinking about the whole labor situation is, um, and you know, think about contemporary labor stuff, which is a whole that's a whole other show. Is is you know all those hundreds of thousands of people who usually had to be in close proximity to do their work, right? You know, a, qu- a quick moment just because you you now you've jogged my memory. I remember being fascinated with the stockyards, and it's funny because yeah. when I came to Chicago, I was, I was still a vegetarian from high school. Yeah, but I went there, you know, forty first and Root or whatever. And I tried all I could see the stockyards gate and behind it, the mo- not the modern equivalent, but everyone knows what it is. You've been over the stockyards the last 40 years. It's light industrial, right? Yeah. PepsiCo bottling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, that was fascinating to think about what were the lives of the men and women who worked there, black, white, Latino, uh, and other groups. 
but you know that that la- that labor um you know and of course like everyone else i ate up books like uh up to sinclair's the jungle sure um, sure yeah. and you know just those are those are those are those those are those things and i think an everyday object like a brick, a piece of brick, an architectural detail, goodness, a hot dog. I mean, those those tell us a lot about what Chicago has been like and also might be like uh, in the future. I have, to, I have to say I'm not a big, I eat meat now, I'm not a big veggie dog person. I, I'm not too keen on those. But yeah. other than that, I mean, those are, those are the, I think those are like the, some of those gateways to think about like, who who are we, you know, who are we as a, as a city and who are we as a people yeah yeah it's a lot to think about uh, it really is and uh and that haymarket uh affair really did make a huge impact and uh and and you know led to uh led to what we're talking about now uh max hold on okay yeah no problem. all right uh max grinnell is with us he is the urbanologist check out the urbanologist.com and we're talking about the history of chicago labor day and the labor movement together uh, and uh, we'll talk more with uh, Max coming up right here on 720 WGN. Uh, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the uh, Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. Coming up on a Thursday morning, Dan Feinberg joins us uh, every two weeks on Thursday mornings to talk TV, and he will be with us uh, after midnight. Uh, we're going to hear some classic comedy from uh, Johnny Carson. Uh, you can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV, and uh, we like to play back some comedy, whether it be a sketch or an interview or some stand-up, and we'll hear some stand-up from 1987. Jeff Cesario, very funny guy, Jeff Cesario, um, and... Uh, we're going to talk about abandoned places that no longer exist and some uh, vintage celebrity endorsements and some ridiculous celebrity endorsements as well. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. If you would like to join us, we would love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. I'm talking now with The Urbanologist. Theurbanologist.com is the website. Max Grinnell is my guest, and we're talking about the history of um, Labor Day and the connection between Illinois and Chicago as well. And... Um, uh, Max, uh, you know, so we're moving on from the uh, from the Haymarket uh, uh, incident. Um, uh, you know, so how much in 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 the world of of labor conditions? What was it like before labor rights for the push for labor rights? What were the labor conditions like in cities? You know, there were uh, you know there were no guarantees in terms of the length of the day. Frequently, um, you know, depending on whether it's piecework or not. Um, in terms of safety, in terms of equipment, sometimes in terms of formal training or apprenticeship. Um, something that changed a lot, too, with things like building trades um, and formalization of these things as professions. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's telephone maintenance repair um, or, you know, kind of other other related trades. So, you know, a, a very difficult life for, for most people, you know, 95% of most laborers, um, and of course, that was famously, as the U.S. Census classification is laborer, um, so, you know, a general general tradesperson um, who would kind of be responsible for a lot of different things, and very, very little leisure time, which, you know, I saw a study a couple of years ago that shows that <laughs> so 
some insane percentage of Americans never takes their own time, their own guaranteed vacation time, which to me is that's another American tragedy, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> you have to take up your own time that so many people um, worked hard for. And I just kind of on a personal note, my father, with all this uh, kind of uh, stuff going on with the post office, my dad was a long time. Uh, National Association of Letter Carriers, um, which is, a, is another trade that, you know, was eventually formalized and formed um, a union. So, you know, there are, you know, you would describe it as, as pretty brutal. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an it's kind of an understatement. Um, you know, people, if they had leisure time, as I was saying in an earlier segment, it's time after, sometime after religious services on Sundays. Um, or, you know, maybe a little, you know, a, a bit or piece of time here and there throughout the week, but certainly not, um, uh, a lot of, a lot of leisure time and working conditions fairly grim. You know, maybe if you're in one of kind of a small slice of trades, right? Uh, financial services, a banker, um, someone like a tradesperson who repaired musical instruments, um, you know, and these are really small slices. Yeah. Um, you might have, um, you know, remnants of a guild system or something like that. But for most folks, definitely not the case. You were, you were working. Yeah. <laughs> you were working and sometimes under, uh, you know, duress. Um, and work, if you worked outside, you're, you know, you're working a lot during the summer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sun comes up early, goes down late. Right. Right. So conditions were not good until <laughs> conditions were yeah, definitely definitely not good. And so these these moments kind of where people these disruptions, Haymarket Affair, the, the Pullman strike, um, and others throughout, you know, the city's history, um there are certainly dozens of them. Um but those are two of the very well known ones. Well um, let, let's uh, yeah, yeah, t- tell us about the Pullman strike, uh if, if, if for people who might not know. Well, as a as a former Amtrak employee, as a former railroad union member, I'm, I'm a, and, and what they call a rail fan. Sometimes they refer to us as foamers, but it's not it's not a compliment. Um, <laughs> I've always it's more of an insult. Right, I've always right. had a fascination <laughs> with uh, with railroads. Um, so George Pullman, interesting guy, like a lot of other folks in Chicago's mid nineteenth century. Uh, history came from New England, or came from Brockton, New York, actually. So it came from the Northeast. Uh, engineer, and his first kind of thing, which some people may know about, but I always like to point out, is he was responsible for lifting buildings throughout the loop. So they'd be, you know, they'd be raised, and you would be not um, kind of, you'd not be in the muck. Tremont House is a good example of this. So that was his first career. Mm-hmm. Um, you might say first claim to fame in the city of Chicago, which gets overlooked. Because he was also worked to create uh, the Pullman Company, which you know created, which um, as folks may know, if you know a little bit about railroad history, uh, these were the cars. Uh, he wasn't the first person to invent an overnight sleeping car on the train, but these are the cars that became famously popular. You would sleep on them overnight, um, and famously, he had created some of the cars for President Lincoln's funeral train, um, the Chicago Alton Railroad. So he was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, and he built his own company town, uh, south, of the, south of the city limits um, in the town of Pullman, not surprisingly named after himself um, <laughs> and the Pullman Palace Car Company. Um, and, you know, it was a, kind of a cat factory, fat company town, if you will. Um, 
people could live on the grounds. There was other kind of, you know, kind of this close relation, kind of paternalistic relationship between George Pullman um, and his employees. Um, wages went down during the Depression, starting um, in the 1890s, 1893, 1894. Um, the workers had appealed for support to a larger union, American Railway Union. Nothing happened, um, and the, eventually what they decided to do is create this strike so it would slow down um, the sleeping cars. Um, and eventually it crippled railroad traffic throughout the United States, um, and people were not happy about this. Uh, federal government eventually intervened, um, and even though the strike was uh, eventually broken uh, fairly quickly, actually, in the summer of 1894, um, this was uh, kind of a, a difficult, kind of a, we might call it a road to Damascus moment for George Pullman, because after that, um, it was, you know, kind of a tough time for him. Um, but at the same point, even though the people who were part of the Pullman strike did not obtain uh, what they thought was fair arbitration, it was one of these moments where it was clear that there was something kind of larger in the labor, a growing labor consciousness. Oh. Um, and of course, if you think about that, you know, what the equivalent today would be like, you know, which is, which has happened. And they certainly have talked about it in the past is, um, you know, pilots going on strike or people working at Boeing going on strike. Um, but of course, Boeing isn't making a lot of new planes right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this was, this would be kind of that, this is kind of that similar disruption. I guess you would say in the middle of the 20th century, you know, United Auto Workers going on strike um, to say, guess what? No more cars, or we're going to do a, we're going to do a slowdown of work. Um, interesting story too. Some of your, you and your listeners may already know about is that um, folks are interested in this history, um, and I don't think they're currently open because of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, the Pullman site, which is made a National Historic Monument by President Obama. Uh, has a dedicated funding stream, so they're working on getting a more interpretive centers down there, or kind of uh, kind of more robust programming. Um, I know there's been talk about opening the Hotel Florence again, which, uh, like myself and friends, used to go for years to Easter Easter brunch over there. Yeah, at the Hotel yeah, yeah. Florence. Yeah. Um, so it's a great way to because you were talking about earlier, but kind of exploring Chicago, exploring cities, and getting that firsthand knowledge. It's a great way to learn about uh, labor history, um, and also just if you're <laughs> if you're interested in railroads, which seem to be having, as we say, uh, a moment again amongst many folks. Uh, so considering now that the CTA makes <laughs> now makes rail cars again in the city, um, which is exciting, or has a contract, uh, it's a great place to go and kind of learn some of this history firsthand. Um, if folks uh, are interested in checking it out, but another one of these uh, kind of tremendous moments, a, a real disruption. Um, with labor is rising up uh, against, you know, this kind of paternalistic system. Um, and of course, <laughs> more importantly, uh, reduced wages. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, uh, Max, hang on. Uh, Max uh, Grinnell is here and uh, we're uh, talking about uh, the history of uh, Labor Day and the labor movement here in Illinois and particularly in Chicago. Labor Day is on Monday and uh, we have a rich, rich history uh, in that department right here uh, in the city. And we'll talk more with uh, Max right here. He is the Urbanologist. Check out theurbanologist.com. Coming up here on 720 WGN.
right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio here until 4 a.m. Coming up on a Thursday morning. Dan Feinberg joins us every two weeks to talk about TV, and he'll be joining us after midnight uh, to talk TV. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. We would love to hear from you. It's Labor Day on uh, Monday, and so we have an incredible rich history here uh, in both Illinois and the, st- in the city of Chicago uh, regarding the labor movement and Labor Day in general. Um, TheUrbanologist.com is the website. Max Grinnell, who has studied cities and history and all that really cool stuff, is here to uh, reminisce and talk about the, the labor history in Chicago and beyond. Uh, Max, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about... Uh, uh, the uh, the blue collar sort of mentality that we have in this city uh, is that tied to the labor movement? You think? Yeah, I mean, so absolutely. I think that you know, you think about whether it's images presented in film, whether it's the Blues Brothers, which are they're obviously they're, they're musicians. <laughs> yeah. um, they do they do reference their union card. I will not <laughs> at one point in the movie. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. It's famously um, and wonderfully. Uh, you know, I think it is. It's a. It's a part of. It's a part of the city's identity, and it's. You know, I. I having only been been here since the mid '90s, you know, a lot of that has changed fairly quickly. Um, if you think about what constitutes a blue collar job, right? Um, you, know, you go down to the southeast side and you see the USX Steel. Um, you know, they're still reworking on that site, but there's no, there's no labor. There's, it's a park. Yeah. Uh, among, yeah, yeah. Among other things, you think of what constitutes a blue collar job. I mean, you think of kind of the concentration of stuff over uh, near West West Side, like Teamster City, um, and kind of like where is those, where are those people laboring? And you think about the, the actual numbers, and they're they're fairly small. Um, you know, you you still you still have you know certain industries in the city you know i always tell people chicago is still a big place for food production mm-hmm. um produces more pork rinds chicharrones than any <laughs> other city in the world <laughs> i didn't know um, that i didn't know that that's amazing yeah there's there's still there's still these these moments i mean you know you think of other things which is for a variety of trade agreements et cetera. you know goodbye goodbye volume candy industry right ferrara brock's what do they blow up the Brock's factory for one of the Batman movies? Yeah. Um, so some of those things, if you consider candy workers blue collar and definitely work, people working with their hands, but you know the other kind of the other those other jobs, a lot of them have changed, and I think this will be a challenge for labor going forward. Labor unions, and we see it already, is you know you're 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 not you're not you know late you're not fighting necessarily business or government or lack of intervention too much intervention but you know you're going up against algorithms <laughs> you know what do you you're going up against apps um yeah that's that's the kind of that's the kind of harder <laughs> that'd be a whole nother show but i think that's but i think it is you know people really seek it out i mean people want to you know they want to experience the that kind of that blue collar kind of experience in Chicago, I think it's harder. I mean, I know it's harder to find. Yeah. Um, you know, you think about kind of whether it's associations with kind of people going to a tavern or whatever, you know, uh, second, third shifters. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of change, even the kind of those, those social spaces, right? Now you're more likely to find, I don't know, expensive, tasty menus on a rooftop. If you, find, if you can find yeah. a rooftop bar that's open. Yeah. Um, 
so I think there's that there's that kind of shift in the change and decline in those in those those professions, or they or they happen. They're kind of they're hidden from us, right? And I always tell people, and I, uh, the place I'm fascinated with, you asked me kind of that question about. There's always something new. I had never walked on foot around Elk Grove Village. Some people listening probably know that Elk Grove Village has one of the world's largest industrial parks. Massive, mm-hmm. right? So there's work going on out there near O'Hare to support various industry, but you know we don't really we don't really see it. You know, it's not you know men or women out there. You know, whether it's you know kind of performing manual labor or physical labor. You know, and, and I think the the fabric of the city has changed much as well. You know, think about you know over a third of the city is Hispanic or Latino, Latinx. Um, you know, that, that work has changed a lot too. You know, you might think of blue collar work as being landscapers, gardeners. Um, but yeah, I know people crave it. I mean, people, you know, it's such a big thing and you know this so well through, through movies, through songs. Um, and you know, in some industries it's still there, you know, food processing and a few other places, but you know, you know, you'll still encounter people. I've still encountered people who want to, who want to see a steel steel mill or something like that? It's it's like well, that's that's really hard to find in the city limits. Yeah, um, but there's certainly people. You know, there's people working. There's people. There's people out there doing all these jobs. I mean, I think of well, building trades. Um, you know, so those are still really um, those are still really robust places where you might see work like that. But those things that you think of, you know, obviously no more stockyards, steel mills, these kind of, you know, you, you can sort of see some of the railroad stuff. If you go down to South Lumber Street, South of Roosevelt Road, yeah. um, that, might be, that might be trespassing, so don't, please don't go into it anymore. <laughs> right, um, right. But you, but you certainly, you know, you get, you get a little sense of it. When I, you know, when I was in uh, Union Station two days ago, jumping on the Amtrak or coming off one Amtrak again, the other, you, you you see, uh, you know, some pe- you know people doing track work inside the station and things like that. So it's still, it's still there. There's just a lot less of it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> a lot true. Less of it. But I mean, I think to the rest of the to the, to the rest of the world, Chicago has a very very blue collar, you know, uh, uh, representation. You know, I think it's a, they, I think people outside of Chicago think of us as a very blue collar city. Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. I think there's that people identify it with like they identify with the, you know, the blues or kind of more, you know, kind of more contemporary artists, whether it's, you know, uh, Kanye or common. Um, and that kind of, that's, that's really part of the city's fabric. I mean, that's, that's something that I think is, it's, it's, a, it's one of these kind of intense traces that's still there and people people want to believe that it's i mean it's like the people who go on like the gangland tours the capone stuff like people want to even if you're driving by the the vacant lot next to the you know the senior citizen housing on uh, north clark street where the same valentine's day massacre occurred and there's nothing to look at people want to yeah i know the city would prefer that people no one come and do that but um people People want to believe in that past, and they want that connection. You mentioned the guest here who's going to be talking about abandoned structures and, and you know, forgotten or lesser-known places. Like, yeah. people are people really want that kind of connection. I mean, we're so lucky in Chicago to have those places where you can uh, connect with that. And I think that's a nice thing about both the Haymarket 
sculpture and really in a like a robust three-dimensional way um, what remains in Pullman, which is pretty staggering. Um, I remember uh, when I was in school at the University of Chicago when they, the, the call came out um, that the, some of the buildings had been set on fire, as probably many folks remember. I think it was 99, and uh, a, a tragedy. But still, there's so much of that site where people can experience that aspect of Chicago labor history and American history. Yeah, um, it's it's such a it's such an amazing site, and Pullman's such a great 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 place for folks who haven't been and folks who haven't been in a while. There's um, a lot of great stuff uh, going on going on there, and of course now it's it's actually kind of hard to you know, with all the changes in regulations. So, go out and see any of the stuff you know, famously the tootsie roll factory which is a privately tootsie roll is a privately held company out yeah. by midway right um you can't take tours because of you know <clears throat> industrial espionage and osha regulation so it's kind of hard to see some of these things uh happening it's all there i just think sometimes because of the way that work now works um kind of hard to hard to actually see it nick as yeah. i think about it yeah yeah uh, Max, it's uh, it's great talking to you, man. Uh, check out theurbanologist.com dot com, um, and uh, and have a great Labor Day. Yeah, thank you so much, Nick. Okay. Be well, and uh, same to you. Okay, buddy, take care. Uh, Max Grinnell is the urbanologist. theurbanologist.com, dot uh, com, discussing the history of this city and this state. Uh, it's rich history in terms of uh, labor movements and uh, in terms of Labor Day. Uh, interesting, uh, really fascinating guy, Max. He's got uh, a ton of uh, of historical knowledge, um, and you should check out his website, theurbanologist.com. Okay, it's Nick DiGilio and WGN.